and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Diva, the podcast designed to bring out the inner goddess in all of us. Join your host, Serena Novelli, as she delves deep into the world of self-love, female sexuality, conscious dating, personal growth, and all-round happiness. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hey, and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Diva, the podcast. My name is Serena Novelli. I am a certified sex, love, and relationship coach specializing in female sexuality and tantric sex. And today we've got the gorgeous Holly Matthews joining me. I'm really excited for this chat. I'm going to let her introduce herself to you, but we will be talking about turning pain into power. And it's a subject that both of us have gone through in different ways. So I'm really excited to delve into this. So welcome, Holly. Please introduce yourself. Well, thank you so much. What a gorgeous introduction. And yeah, I it's, it's certainly a, it's certainly a passion of mine as well, this topic. So it's a good one for us to get into. So my background is I was a TV actress for many years. So starting really young when I was only 11 years old. And um, that was a world that I thought I would just always be in. I just thought I would be in the entertainment industry. At, I, I was in a TV show for 11 years, not 11 years, seven years, not 11. I was 11. It was seven years. <laughs> <laughs> too, too many rhyme, too much rhyme in there. And when I left that TV show, I signed to Sony UK as a solo artist. So I was very much immersed in that world. And I didn't see a different future to that. I just was always thinking entertainment industry, singing, acting, modeling, what dancing, TV, theater, all of the stuff. And just always thought that would be my world. However, in the background, there were two things happening. One, I was always working on my mindset. I was always working on my own mental health because largely I had been a kid on TV. So I was having to work on my mind because suddenly I was this normal working class kid that was on TV and there was millions of people watching me. And this was not a time. Let's, you know, we are, we are the older generation. We are, you know, I'm <laughs> we're grandma, I'm grandma. We're grandma material. <laughs> Millennial here, um, coming at you. and um, so you know, we, at that time there was no social media. If you were on TV, it was a big deal. Like if I said that to my kids, they're like, well, "So what? You're on TV? It's not that big a deal." Like everyone's on TV in some respect. Everyone's yeah. got a podcast or a, t- or a YouTube channel or a something. So the kids don't see it in the same way. Um, and so like, but when I was younger, you know, there was like at the, at the height of the TV shows on, which was Biker Grove, a kids' TV show you know, sometimes they were getting 3 million views per episode, which at the time mm. when there's no more TV channels was actually a big deal and people talked about it. So for me, suddenly going from not being known and being a child to being known and people talking about you was actually a lot for my mind. And I assumed in my youthful naivety that people would just be lovely. Why wouldn't they? I was yeah. an so I was like, well, everyone was, of course, they're going to support my journey and want, want me to succeed. And the sharp reality of that was that, People do not want you to succeed for their own exactly. reasons and they want to be mean. And so I, I had to learn really quickly like what that meant. And I didn't, I've, I've always been a very hopeful person, but I definitely did loads of work from being young. And this was not a time when we had access to all the stuff, you know, we have access, the stuff you talk about, the stuff I talk, we didn't have access to that. My dad was a welder, my mum worked in a bank. Like 
you know, they're great people, but they didn't, they weren't talking about this stuff that we talk about. They weren't, you know, yeah. they, they were a product of that generation. And so I was kind of feeling my way through stuff and really genuinely making stuff up that we might call affirmations or meditation I'd heard about and I did it and I did, I did it in my own way. And, and I did things like, I would like write down my negative thoughts and I would burn them. Like I was like very witchy. Like I loved all that stuff but I was just work. I was just thinking, I don't want to feel like this. I'm just going to work through it. So I was always doing this in the background. I never once considered this would be where my work took me, but actually in retrospect, I look at it and I think as an actor, my job is to learn about people's minds. I learn about the character's minds. I understand why they are the way they are. Then I pretend to be them from their perspective. That's my job as an actor. My job now, so I went from being, you know, going into that world into self-development. My job now is to understand my clients' minds, understand how our minds work, maybe walk in their shoes in my mind to understand it further and then find them, you know, some solutions that they might be able to work through. I don't pretend to be my clients now. Um, although I did say this yesterday to one of my clients, I was talking about a similar thing and I was like, now I'm tempted to try it. Now I'd like to, a little, bit, little part of me, little part of my actor brain wants to do it. But so I went from, I went from always being in the acting industry and then a few things happened in my, in my life where, I where I pivoted in my work and I was also you know I became a mom at 26 and I was changing how I was working anyway just by being a mom you know I was in tv so it's job in work you know you, you're in a tv mm. show for a few episodes and you're not then you do something else and it was I realized very quickly that I had to do something else around that because I didn't want to be I didn't want to do that thing where you I'd never had a proper proper job and I didn't want to do that thing where you phone in and you like pretend to be sick and hang off the bed I didn't like that feeling of doing that yeah. every time I got an audition so I tried it really take back the power and find ways to work for myself and I was doing that I was doing all kinds of different stuff and you know essentially making things up like I'd sell this and I'd do that and I'd and I'd and I kind of stumbled into the work really it was a very organic process that I suddenly started to talk about mindset and found people gravitated towards me. My first bit of work, actually, my first coaching work was very much in the space of confidence and teaching people to be confident. You know, as an actor, I learned how to do that. I knew how to look it. I knew how to pretend to be confident. But because of the work I did in my own life, I actually also knew how to really work on your confidence. So I, that was kind of the initial work I went into. And then in 2014, my husband, Ross, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And obviously our world then completely spun out and we... Yeah were different everything changed and once again you know as a becoming a mom made me bring my work closer to home and rarely go off to do filming and stuff where I could and once again when that happened when Ross was diagnosed it was a very weird time for me because it was the very it was the line in the sand where I went I don't want to do it anymore I don't yeah. want to I don't care I don't care I don't even understand why I ever did it and that was a very weird shift in my mind because it was to that point, all I'd done is that. And, and as an actor in that world, you can be very obsessive about it. Like it's so driven, like it's yeah. beyond what other people might experience in their work because there's no second chances. Somebody else will get the job. You have to be on it and like intensely focused. And I think that just snapped that, like it broke that habit, broke that cycle of it. And I just didn't care. And when Ross was, um, when he was going through treatment, I was, kind of delving more into that world and then in 2017 Ross died of brain cancer and 
once again, I just had to move with what had happened and I had to shift. And again, for me, and we obviously talk about this, for me, finding my way through this stuff comes from a place of how can I make something good come from something really horrible and something something tragic where can where's the good like I'm always looking for the good where's the good the good's there somewhere there's something good around this and so the happy me project is my work now and the happy me project started as a self-development um course just a standalone course an online thing 21 days 30 quid no big fancy pants like launch for it it was just well this is some answers to what people are asking me because Ross's death was hugely in the national press there was a lot of eyes on me and a huge amount of you know noise on social media people messaging me how are you getting through this this has happened to me or or their own personal stories of pain and I really give a shit about people like I I don't know why I'm so I can you know I guess if we look back on it uh, you know the acting world I was obsessed with it like I was obsessed and it's the same with this world like I yeah. I'm obsessed with and I always was actually looking back I always was obsessed with helping people to find their happy whatever that looks like it's not my job to decide that but I'm obsessed with it so when I'm like going through that pain and I needed a focus in in the early stages of grief particularly and people are messaging me going, I want to die. Like I, I, I've, this has happened to me and I just can't, how are you doing what you're doing? The happy me project was my kind of answer. It was me going, well, yeah. try this because this is the basics of what I do. And over the last few years, that's just taken on a life of its own. And it's now a book, it's a podcast, it's a life coaching membership, it's in-person events. And it's probably the most organic piece of work I've ever done because there was no, there was no push on it. Like it was just, the next step and I think when we get you know when we're in that kind of flow our best work comes from that and and so now I would call myself I always say former tv actress but I'm actually on a tv series at the end of this month on Amazon so you're still acting (laughs) I mean I just don't have the same sort of push with it I don't have the same I guess the same anxiety around it you know when I was when I was always acting you're you're constantly in push go mode and you're there's a level of anxiety and desperation around that that doesn't feel aligned to who I am as a person and so this time like you know this this bit of work that I've done which is really fun it's a comedy and um keep calm and carry on is what it's called I should probably (laughs) plug in that right now on the 28th I think when I was in it it's a really fun comedy around like um the coronavirus and lockdowns and all of that and I'm only in one episode but it was good fun and that was it came about because the director I know him and he was like do you want to come down and do it firstly I was like I always said if I go back to acting I did such miserable stuff like I played drug addicts and um sexual assault survivors and like and like always the dark stuff like always I was always rough I was always working class like it's the, it's the accent and the dark hair I'm just the, I was always the like, kind of kind of bad one and then when I became a mom they were like ah she could be a stripper mom (laughs) mom, but she's not going to be like some highbrow like middle class mom she's gonna be like she's got a problem she's there's something there in the in the past yeah there's also so and I did loads of like casualty and like hospital dramas and then like I was spent like years in hospital with my husband so I was like if I go back to acting none of attracting the shit into my world please like can I just like go I'll just do comedy so actually going one I was like it's it's a comedy I get to be silly um there's some good people involved in it some big actors and also and let's be really really here as parents it was a whole day off the kids um like without like somebody like just like grandparents looking after the kids so I'm like this is a whole day of like 
quiet time like there's just yeah. like, fun with some adults like some yeah, adults. exactly that <laughs> so yeah as much as I've said like I don't I, I now say I'm a former TV actress although I, I kind of changed I think on Instagram because I was like you know that's really like limiting and I might want to do acting so I'm an actress and I, I always will be that's part of my psyche and I'm a self-development coach and I'm the founder of the Happy Me Project. And, and I should probably say this more, a best-selling author, which is yeah. my, um, my, my book came out in June that went to Amazon number one in all of the books, which blew my mind a little bit. Um, not that I have like low self-esteem, but I just was a, I was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with that, like this just like shows how, how down to earth and humble you are in how you know your approach with people and I love watching you um I mostly watch you on Instagram and I absolutely I love I love it you're, you're always showing up in my feed and I think it's amazing going back to the how when you were first acting when you were younger and how you thought people were going to be nice and they just they just really weren't I got my first piece of hate mail yesterday <laughs> just like I've made it yes <laughs> I'm a bit excited for you. I feel like you should like, like this should be a momentous like celebration of your, do you know, you only get that because you're making some noise. So what, yeah, what? I, I, that's what I told my husband because actually they, um, whoever it was, they basically told me that I shouldn't be a confidence coach with body confidence because I use too many filters, which I don't, I don't use on the odd occasion I do, but I don't really use them. And then they dissed me for, they literally told me that nobody had any, respect for somebody that churns out five children I was just like what, what? <laughs> that's oh, it can but I just I made it counteract that like five children and that I have all the respect <laughs> all the respect in the world what the hell isn't it fun like I'm so interested in that because I've dealt with it like my world has never from being in, on TV my world has never not been on a platform to some degree and I don't and that's a very weird experience really when I look at that there's never been a time when there hasn't been some kind of eyes on what I've been doing since being really young and that's really quite weird and I, I forget that that's an unusual experience so yeah. I've dealt with my whole life I've always dealt with it from that moment I was on tv there was people's conversations about me there was that's that girl off the telly there was pointing and staring and I, and I don't remember that not being there but I remember when I signed to Sony and you know the but the, the the internet was still really quite new none of us were like doing what we do now like no one was like knocking up a website but when I signed to Sony I would have been like 18 or something and um someone else can do the maths on whenever that was but uh, anyway the people weren't like normal men and women were very you know it was like MSN and like the very early but maybe of MySpace or something like yeah. I guess that would have been there then and it, like someone had set up this website I mean it was very very basic this website but they set up a website that I hate, Holly Matthews' website, obviously. Oh, my goodness. They'd, um, they'd taken, I think it's people from my, it was people from my school. And they'd taken, like, um, pictures from Sony's website and put it on. And then they'd essentially used what we can only describe as, like, the, you know, like, draw. Can you remember draw? It was just, like, the most basic. And they'd drawn glasses on me and spot and little boobs, um, which was, I was fuming because I really hated my little boobs. I love my little boobs. I hated them. And um, so they, and it, they like, she was, a, she was this, she was that, they just slagged me off on this thing. And then they had this guest book, which was so fucking rough. The, the, guest, the guest book was, uh, what's your name? Um, where do you know Holly from? And then would you spit on her if she was on fire? Oh my goodness. 
rough right um and I was like and, and my initial reaction because it was the first like I guess public like display of that like I hadn't really had because we didn't have the internet in the same way I hadn't had that I'd had that in real life I'd had people shouting stuff when I was on the train or whatever I'd never had that like in a public place and it was written down and there was a lot of effort put into this in my opinion like they'd set up a website and I remember seeing it and then my manager at the time laughed his head off and he was like this is brilliant and all they do when you see that is like all it does is push what you're doing and it it's a good thing like and I just I just found it really fascinating and from that time it really was a marker because I was like isn't that interesting like what what makes somebody do that like and I've been fascinated over the years watching at different points and i don't I don't get a lot of trolling from people like I don't get a lot of troll comments or not a massive amount but I think that's largely because I don't pretend I don't like just you know people like the advice it's like mute them block them I don't do that no <laughs> no you want to you, you you want them to see you succeed right <laughs> you want no I'm only joking you don't really yeah, but, <laughs> you might. but I'm more like I'm more like I will call that shit out like you would not yeah, yeah. say that like you try it see what happens but it would not be you will be embarrassed like yeah. and I'm not physically I'm not, be, I'm not being threatened here I'm just saying I will cut you down so quickly and I won't have any any apologies about that because I, I really dislike all of that and I've watched it play out in some really dark places in 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 my world with with friends of mine who are in the public eye and mm. I don't I don't put up with it it's not acceptable you wouldn't you wouldn't dare say that to me in the street and you wouldn't no. do that and you would be embarrassed if people knew you were doing that and I've had it like, yeah, it's like I, I had one guy on my um, YouTube channel once was like when my husband had had his second brain surgery and he was writing, oh, boo-hoo, your husband's got brain cancer, bring out the tiny violins and stuff like that. And I was like, that's really hot. Like that is a really horrible thing to say to somebody. Like what? And I always put it in because I'm a really confident person and I have like I've got a lot of strength around me. I mean, I've had to. So I was put it in my mind of like, what if I wasn't? What if I was some of the people that I work with? What if I was a person who was low self-esteem? It's a terrible day. And someone says that, like, that's not okay. Like, so I always think about like that and I confront them. And this one guy who was doing all that, I was doing, I used comedy a lot. Like I used like humor and piss taking because we're British. So, you know, like that's how we deal with things. And um, we laugh in the face of adversity and difficulty. So I was like, I always just take the piss back. And I was like saying, are you all right? Like, do you like, do you want to like talk? Like, is, is this really something? Yeah. Do you need some help? And usually to be fair, that is what's happening, yeah. right? They're, 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 yeah. As we work on the mind, right. And we work on, and we've, and we've learned um, how, how this works. There is an element of truth in what they're writing for them. Something yeah. we've done has, has, Triggered that truth in them. When that person that's saying that to you, that you've you've triggered something within her that's a difficulty she's gone through, or somebody she's experienced, and and you're reflecting that, or or something in 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 her that she doesn't feel, or maybe there's even some like commonalities in how you are. We don't always like seeing ourselves reflected back, mm. but this guy sent me a whole email eventually that was basically detailing how he'd had a really hard time over the last year with his health and basically writing troll comments on the internet was his way of offloading. And then he asked if I would be his life coach, but I'm too petty and I couldn't. Hit that subscribe button yet. Go on, go on. You know you want to. When my mum was dying of cancer, somebody, uh, somebody famous that in America had passed away like as she was really, really poorly in the hospice. And one of my friends, and I, I never do this, and I, this was definitely a trigger for me, right? So one of my friends had posted, 
how devastated she was, how heartbroken she was, which is like, you know, valid feelings for her. Yeah. But all I saw was like, they have, they know nothing. Like my mum is dying. My mum is laying in a hospice bed dying. And I'm seeing this witnessing this every single day. And you have the audacity to say that you're feeling something for somebody you've never even met. And I, I did, I posted it underneath her thing. I apologized to her afterwards, but it was just that initial shock. But it, that, that that's how it works, right? It is. That is like somebody else is being triggered by what you're posting or what you're doing. And that leads me as well into that's got that's showing pain. Right. And what we do is we're powering our pain. We're, we're using pain. And like you, my husband had had a diagnosis, a terminal diagnosis. And I'm really grateful. You know, things have been really good. He's still here with us, which is amazing. But again, that journey took me from a childminder to somebody that's supporting and helping others. Yeah. And I, and I, I absolutely, like, I just love that so much. And I just think it, there's always like, in my mind, there is always a way through. Like, I, I think that in my, I think that a lot, you know, we hear I, uh, Marie Folio, she talks about everything is figure outable. And I've always felt that like, I, I almost envisage like, you know, like when you see weeds grown up through the concrete, like that's like sometimes how our journey can feel as human beings, that we're being, we're being like, there's stuff coming at us everywhere and it's hard and it's painful. And I think if you can find that, there's always a route, like there's some way through all of this Mm -hmm. stuff and it's not all painful. I don't mean like stiff up a lip, like you've just got to fight you. I don't mean that actually. I mean what you've just said there, which is taking something really difficult and that doesn't mean like not giving your and I know that you would completely agree with this it doesn't mean not crying not having that those moments not not giving yourself a fucking break it doesn't mean any of that stuff it's all of that stuff and also finding something in that that is like a nugget of gold right a little some a little a nugget of hope maybe like that that actually that these things are happening because you need to there's somebody out there that needs your support and you're witnessing this first so that you can then lend a hand. And there's so, there's just something so powerful in that. And I know not everybody's going to want to do the same work that we do, but there's many, many ways to, and even if you impact one person in your own personal life by sharing your experience, or there's mm. so many ways of taking something, you know, some people do charity stuff, some people channel it into that. I am... Um, I met recently a lovely lady called Sophia, whose daughter you may, you'll have seen. I mean, I, I talk about stuff like people don't know who people are, but like Sophia and um, her daughter, Azalea, died of cancer last year, I think it was. And it was in the press. And I met with her recently. We were just having a similar conversation. We were saying like, you, you can't, t- we can't stop the painful stuff, right? There is going to be painful stuff. There's going to be death, loss, ill health, stuff that's really unfair. Like it's... Mm-hmm utterly unfair and sometimes in those moments you look to other people and go why haven't they got that or you know hear shit and I, I do think it's bollocks and people say things like oh only the good die young or like what's the other one um what also the bad guys always get like like they always have a good life and I'm like no they don't like it doesn't like it's not it's not exclusive to certain groups of people every single one of us will be dealt some shit we will yeah. like you don't escape it yes okay some of us might get the odd extra bit and we think well that's a piss take and we can have our moments of feeling sad and sorry for ourselves and that's all right that's human and normal and you need it but the next stage is going well I can sit in this space of going well it's not fair and I don't want this to be happening I can sit there 
but I promise you that's going to cause you more pain. The yeah. minute you, you practice and it's not easy, and I don't mean this, the second you find out something or the second, it's a process, but acceptance is a huge part of the process. The acceptance of this is where this is at. I can't stop this bit, but what I can do is build my life so fucking brilliant around it that this bit will just, I'll be able to ride this bit when it's hard. That's all you can ever really do. And I, and I wish, like, I think sometimes like when people come and work with me, they want there to be like this moment when everything aligns forever. (laughs) I find that too. And acceptance is the word, right? Because even on a self-love journey, um, you know, you're, if you're, not loving your body or even with your sexuality or anything like that people are pushing for perfect and actually what they need to be doing is accepting what is and working themselves around that so okay this is what's happening in this moment but how can I maybe bring a little bit more pleasure how can I tap into the feelings that I'm feeling right now and how is that going to help me and processing those cycles and and allowing for the triggers to release and for space you need the space within you just to be sometimes I think that's the key like sometimes we we want to I had a really good description I think it was from a a counselor I worked with a while back and she described it as and I love it because I think about it a lot I'm a very visual person so she was talking about the the snow globe and when you shake that snow globe and that's our life when it's chaotic right and shit's going everywhere it's flying everywhere right that's our life but actually sometimes you just need to you know when you put the snow globe down on the side and you just leave it be and you practice acceptance of it settles like it begins to settle and I think sometimes we forget and actually sometimes in our world because we're talking about solutions and finding routes through often we and I see this with clients I'm always really mindful and I will call them out if I think it's happening and we can see this cycle of like almost addicted to self-development and I'm like it's almost like you're beating yourself with a stick with that like it's a punishment that's not what it should be sometimes doing nothing and sitting in your pants eating chicken nuggets is the answer like that's it doesn't always have to be you know meditating in Bali like it that's not really and for most of us that's not the answer like no it's not realistic for us right we have, we, we've got kids how we can't fly to Bali every five minutes <laughs> we would like to sometimes let's be real um but it doesn't that's not the and I actually am always and I, I know you're similar in your work like I'm always trying to find ways to make what we talk about actually work in reality because it's it's all well and good going well I'm, I feel good when I'm in on a spa day and I'm in the you know doing something really like nice and nourishing I'm on a retreat like that's lovely and there's nothing but that's great do all of those things and enjoy those moments but you need to find that space in between in your real life mm-hmm. and you know I talked about this on my TED talk I talked about um it was actually called what was it called it was a clever title I didn't come up with it so um, (laughs) credibility here but it was called tough luck why accepting life's unfairness will set you free and I really fully believe that because I was talking about that feeling of like the moments in between like we'll have a painful bit and if we're not careful we will be so caught in that pain we're worrying about the next bit of pain we're contemplating the last bit of pain we've just experienced but we're not recognizing that in this moment is a downtime There is a moment where there's breathing space. And if you're not mindful enough, you're going to miss those moments where there is a, it's actually nothing happening. You know, somebody could be sat here now and there might be lots of things going on in your world. There might be a lot of that snow globe chaos going on around you, but actually in this moment, you're listening to a podcast right now. Very present. And you're in this moment. And I think the more, that's a really powerful part of 
when you're dealing with big stuff, when you're dealing with pain, is noticing, zoning right in and protecting your space. Zoning in so small that you just, you know, the next, maybe the next, only the, the thing that you can do next is get that cup of tea and get dressed this morning if you can. Or maybe you can't get dressed this morning, but you're going to watch a, a, your favorite TV program that's going to make you smile. Sometimes it's really making it really small, especially in those initial stages of the shock of something big happening. You need a moment to like realign. So you can you know, pause before you propel to the next stage. But we need those moments. And I think sometimes, you know, when we go online and we see people, it's almost like um, I, I worked with a lovely lady called Samantha Rank yesterday, and she was talking about inspiration porn. And like she was talking about it in the, in the world of disability. Um, she has brittle bone disease and she was like, disabled people aren't your inspiration porn. But I think that happens with a lot of us that share online. Like I often find it really challenging and maybe you do as well when people say I'm inspirational it's, it's become a word that's very freely used and while I'm sat you know looking a hot mess and you know shouted at the kids too much and I don't feel very inspirational like that's a weird space to put a human in and I, I think the truth is all of us no matter what level of perceived success we have we all go through the same stuff we're all fucking scared we're all doing our best we're all a hot mess really under the surface and we all have moments of good as well like no matter someone listening might be thinking well no I'm sat here in in, in my tower block in the middle of hull and I feel shit and I'm not like feeling good about my life and I'm going online and I'm scrolling and I'm seeing a Kardashian and I'm feeling like it's so removed from my life it, yeah, it yeah. maybe is in, in in its essence but human to human the feelings that you're feeling, the scared, the fear, the lack of, you know, the I'm not enoughness. I promise you Kim Kardashian's feeling the same thing. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. And that's where, like, I suppose you and I, we may be a bit more relatable because we haven't got that status. We're not been, we've not been put on that pedestal that, that Kim Kardashian's on. And she, I know she's worked and she, you know, and she's been in the, the limelight all her life but she hasn't necessarily put herself there. That's not necessarily the path she want, She had maybe chosen. That's just where she is and she utilises that, right? So she yeah. utilises what she has, which is what we do. Absolutely. And I don't ever, like I, you know, especially maybe it's partly because I've worked in the industry that I have, but don't be fooled by like that kind of stuff because people are people and we are all like, I don't judge, you know, and we talked about the filters and stuff. Like, you know, we see people on Love Island and things and they get absolutely lambasted. They get like dog abuse when they come out of like um, Love Island and people call them names and, and people are really harsh and it's like, oh, they've had this done and they've, they've, and I, and I think you've got to remember those those young people are a product of the same environment we are. Yeah, they're yeah. all scared. They all feel le- less than. They've all grown up watching people on social media, watching previous people on reality TV, and they've got all the same insecurities you and I have. So you going on their social media and calling them shit and being nasty and gossipy, like I absolutely hate all of that. And I think yeah. it only, as we've, we've rounded back to, but I, I only ever think it says more about that person. Happy, confident people don't do that. Which you know we're talking about the pain yeah. there. But happy, confident people don't pull other people down and I think we're very lucky that we do have this platform that we can kind of showcase the the good and the bad like I I do try to on my social media I'm I'm very mindful of it because we take lots of nice you know photos and for our businesses and we do events and things and you know I get to do some nice stuff and some of it's quite fancy and like I want to show that just like anybody else does because I've enjoyed myself so we want to show those aspects of our work um, but equally, I'm really mindful. I'm like, you know, my day to day, a lot of the time is me 
pottering about doing dishes and endless dishes let's be honest <laughs> imagine what it's like with five kids <laughs> just I can't even imagine it how have you got your hair washed I don't, I don't know I was like oh I'm, I'm interviewing Holly Mappy though <laughs> I just washed and dried it actually left I, I straightened it this morning because it was like that when I woke up and I was like I'm not podcasting like that <laughs> no, but, well mine was dyed like yesterday and I was like I need it and I've got all my dye in my roots and that but hey it is what it is it is and that's the thing is I think you can only show up the best version of you right in any given moment and as long as you're doing that as long as you're channeling your pain um for good you can like you like you said you can sit and you can wallow and you can have those five minutes but then move it forward definitely move it forward because that pain can take you places my husband I keep saying to him he keeps saying I don't know how I'm still here because he's had a few you know car accidents where when he was younger where he probably shouldn't still be here and now with the cancer at the moment he's like I I don't know why I'm still here some I must be here for a reason and I keep saying to him use that and go out and help others because you've you're here for a reason you are and so he does in his own way not like me he doesn't want to be on on social media helping but he's gonna do that right but I I love that and I really believe like our story the way we tell our story is the key as well because that story there I'm here for a reason that keeps you here like I really like fully believe that like that keeps you here because there's part of your brain and your body is going well I'm still here because I need to do some stuff I'm just working out what that is and you know we don't have it does it's not a clear linear line when you know we talk about purpose in our world and I always think that sounds such a a big deal like oh my god with your purpose is that your life's purpose and I think that's too big a pressure for most people like to really work out what it is I always think there's just many purposes as many moments but if you can go to yourself right I just want to find I want to experience life I want to live and with that is an acceptance that there will be some hardship I want to love fully and because I want to love fully that means I'm going to get hurt and I'm going to feel pain but I still want to love fully like I actively say you know I had nearly 10 years with Ross and I would do it all again with the pain I would do it all again because I, I lived and loved fully and that's an experience and that's, you know, that that's human, like that's being a human. And when we're going through these big painful stuff, and I want, if people are listening who are going through it, which is probably lots of people, right? There's a whole heap of crap going on in the world. And it has been so very obvious in the last few years and so heightened, regardless of personal pain, like there's been a collective pain and then there's the individual pain. And I think the, the most important thing I would say other than what we've already said, which is finding some good around it and finding something that you can use to to power you through with with helping others or charity work or something, just telling your story to a good neighbor or whatever. Um, The other thing really is protecting your space. And I touched upon that before, but when you to get you through the pain, you it's a time in your life when you're going through big stuff as well, where you can be more ruthless with your boundaries than you ever have in your life. And actually, when you're going through big stuff, diagnosis and death, and all, no one get people will accept those boundaries way easier. So let's let's take the good from this, right? If you don't want to see some people, right? Fucking big fat boundary because you've gone through some shit. No, no one, no one will say anything to you. They won't say a damn thing because it would be socially unacceptable. So if ever you want a time to like use that's some of the good that's coming from, right? You can put some big fat boundaries in place, but you should really look at 
your world in those times and go where's the noise coming from that's unhelpful where are the the neg where's the negative energy coming from like and I, that sounds really fucking woo woo but I mean like you know you every one of us knows if we go in a room and someone's a dickhead and we just feel that energy of that space like no yeah. I don't want to be around that we all have people around us that are that negative draining type of people for our energy in those moments of pain you do not have space for that you do yeah. not you will you will not get through to the next I always think like the next round to the next bit where it's good <laughs> the next round you will get through to the next round you're drained because you're stuck in that pain because somebody else is taking all your energy like you've got to be so ruthless with what you allow into your space what you're watching what you're eating what you're who you're around like look at it and be really honest with yourself like I really did that when I was in the hospice with Ross I was like, I mean, there was so much noise. And initially there's something good in that and positive. And there was lots of positive in that. But then we'd have people turning up at the hospice with presents and gifts for me or for the kids. And I was like, it, it, there was this feeling of like, uh, I don't want this. This is too much. Like, yeah, that needs, and we had to have like, we basically had to say like, don't let anybody in here. And also yeah. don't let anybody, like it was by the end, it was obviously like nearest and dearest and ask me if you're coming in. But like initially people were trying to turn up and stuff and, you know, people that knew us, but like on the edges of that, like on the edges of newest and it was not appropriate in those yeah. moments. That would be like me turning up, right? Like, I mean, I know you, I've known you for a few years, exactly. but we're, we're not sitting having coffee every day. <laughs> like, yeah, like exactly. And it would be like, you know, I, I'm not comfortable with you being here when he dies. Like that's inappropriate. Like that's a weird space. Like his brother's not here at this minute. Like it was all like that. So I had to be really ruthless and it, it actually taught me to be, and I was always pretty good at boundaries, but it taught me to be much more ruthless with my own space, my own time, you know, how I, how, who I speak to on social media. I'm very ruthless with that now. I'm very, very, I respond to a lot of people on social media and I get a lot of messages, but I've become very, I can spot it straight away what I don't want. And I only work with very few one-on-one -on -one clients because I'm so protective of my space and my energy and how I feel. And I don't have the capacity to take on everything. I can't. And, and when you're in a helper mode, there's that natural inclination to like want to do that. Then we just, yeah. we just exactly that. We just, we, we're very empathic. So we'll take on all of it. And so I have to be really protective. And when you're going through that difficult, you know, there's difficult times, really be honest with yourself. What is helping? Remember that your brain doesn't know the difference between real and imagined. So when we allow ourselves to watch the news or what, and that is real and to an extent curated real, um, that's terrifying for our brain. And then, and remember that watching the news when you are going through a difficult time, it is only going to be the worst of society. It's not it. The, the thing they say in journalism is if it if it bleeds, it leads. Right. Yeah. It leads. So it's miserable. Like there's they're not they're not putting the positive stuff out there on the forefront because us as human beings don't gravitate towards that. Our fear brain goes towards tragedy. Right. So that's and when we're in our difficult space, we ain't got space for that. I have not got space for that. Like before when before Ross died both him and I were very politically motivated and did a lot and I've been able to do some stuff recently but for a time I was like I don't have space I give a shit but I don't have space to like be going to a protest or I don't have space for that even though I care it's not about lacking in care it's just I don't have the capacity to do that during my most difficult times and even things like you know what I'm watching like am I I love a crime drama love it love watching some miserable crime drama and sure there's lots of people do right but if I'm feeling miserable and sad and depressed that's it's not a good it's not gonna help with, with, with what's her name Melissa um 
you know, yeah, you're McCarthy. Yeah, McCarthy, that's it. She makes me laugh, like, so I would put her on. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We watched Kevin Hart last night, so mate with Kevin Hart in and Mark Wahlberg. We were laughing our heads off. Like, sometimes you really have to force that as well because, you know, um, what's it they say? Misery loves company. So we start, like, looking for the misery when we're feeling sad. And also, don't get me wrong, there are times for that as well. There are times, like, I I watched Grey's Anatomy. I love Grey's Anatomy, right? I mean, the, me and the Brooke are watching it again. I've gone all of them again don't know if you've watched it but anyway love it and actually love it because it makes me cry there's a there's a there's actually a release in that and I think because it's a hospital drama and I wouldn't have watched this a few years ago of course it would have been too raw but actually there was a process I actually went through with watching that that helped me to sort of deal with some stuff that I was hiding in the in the background in the shadows of my mind and not that that wouldn't have been useful a year two years into Ross's death but five years down the line it's it's actually useful to release some of that stuff and and to give yourself space to as well but I just think protecting your space is the huge is, is a really huge thing and being really honest with yourself about where the leaks are of things that aren't really feeling good to you if just absolutely flood your life with joy in when there's something bad you have to flood your life with gratitude and joy and something good and there is always something good like I know it's a contentious fucking subject for people I know it's not easy and you're if you're sat there and you're in the midst of stuff and you're pain you probably want to smack me in the face and I get it but listen with an open heart because when I was sat in that hospice and it was the worst fucking time of my life it was utterly horrendous as you know having experienced that it's not all of it that feels painful, but if you can find something on the outskirts of that, that is joy, even if it's that good cup of tea or a nice comment or, and I, and I do this with my kids. I'll say, was there a nice smell today? Was there a nice sound? Was there something someone said? Was there something that made you laugh? Was there, a, was there something that you felt nice in? Like go through your senses, find something. The more you train your brain, brain to find that joy, that's what bounces you through the, the difficult stuff. Cause actually over time, your brain gets really used to that. My, I'm constantly my brain is seeking out joy like that's my search you know like google you search joy is my search so now my brain is looking for i mean there might be fucking carnage around me but i'm like where's it's like i can imagine you like bombs going off like stuff flying everywhere and, and you're just skipping through I, I, it, I, I it. like I, i'll have walked out the room, i've forgotten it's there then so there's, there's part of that that's how i'm wired as well yeah amazing thank you so much for coming we could be chatting forever i know but we <laughs> we best stop <laughs> thank you so much for coming and sharing with me it's been an absolute pleasure to have you and honor what I'm going to do is in the show notes all of your details will go in there so you know people can come in and get you but if they're you know listening and they're not wanting to wait to look at the show notes do you want to just give them one of your handles now it's I am Holly Matthews dot com slash all my stuff and it's i am holly matthews on instagram which you referenced and do let me know that you've come from this podcast as well because it's always nice to know where people have come from and i'm very accessible on i'm probably less so on facebook i i am on there but less so um but i do chat on on instagram as you say so come and say hi yeah amazing thank you so much until next time everybody go and unleash your inner diva thanks for listening to this episode of unleash your inner diva If you liked what you heard, be sure to hit like, subscribe and leave us a comment. 
Have a burning question for Serena or a topic you'd love her to discuss on the show? Get in touch. Check out www.lovethybodyproject.com. You can also reach Serena on Instagram at Serena Novelli. Until next time, remember, you got this, diva.